Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I've got my x-ray eyes and I'm feeling so fine. Not running all night running. Stop sudden, not following. We're running all night running. Cold-blooded all night running. Morning everyone and welcome to the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. Jordan Oppett here filling in for Frankie Mackay. Many of you will know me as a TVNZ One News sports reporter. Look, it's been another big week in the world of sport, headlined by a watershed moment in men's rugby with former Crusader and All Black number 1056, Campbell Johnston, becoming the first All Black to put on the record publicly that he's gay. In an exclusive interview on Seven Sharp with Hilary Barry, the 43-year-old said if he can come out and take away the pressure and stigma surrounding the issue, it can help other people. His story has since gone global with play Players, teams, clubs, franchises and fans throwing their support around Johnston. It's the story of the week and could well be the story of the year. The other big sports yarn of the week, football and the never-ending saga that surrounds the All-White's top job. New Zealand football held a press conference on Wednesday to announce an interim coach, citing they had a head coach all but locked in. The media were led to believe it was Andrew Herdman, the current Canadian coach. All media then ran with said coach, alleging he was the top pick, only for Herdman to come out that evening on social media and quash those claims, taking us all back to square one. To weigh in on this, I'm grateful to be joined by former All-White, the legendary Paul Eiffel, who's the director of the Paul Eiffel Football Academy and lead of women's football at Christchurch United here in, obviously, Christchurch. Good morning, Paul. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Right, so I guess firstly, Paul, uh, what do you make of the drama that seems to be never-ending this week around who'll be appointed the new All-Whites coach? Yeah, obviously it's not been straightforward. Um, I think, the, I suppose the problem is we don't quite know the whole story. Um, it seems that there's, you know, John Herbin's come out and, and said yeah, he didn't want the job. Um, is it definite that he was the, the main man? It looks like he was. New Zealand football have been pretty quiet since that. Um, obviously, there's been a couple of other, other names added today. Scott Gemmell and, and obviously Darren Baisley, who's the interim manager at the moment. So, um, obviously, if anybody gets it now, they know they weren't first choice um, and probably weren't second choice either. Mufat um, Talley's obviously taken his hat out of the ring as well. So, it's definitely not gone smoothly, um, which is which is a shame because I think it's a really good job um, with a good group of players, probably the best group of players we've had for a long time. So who would you pick as the front man at this stage? Because as you say, it's not a nice situation for a coach to walk into now knowing that they're not the first or second option. They may even be third or fourth cab off the rank. I think they might as well start again, to be honest. Um, re-advertise. Um, if... if you know, if the likes of Baisley's got a really good opportunity because he's the interim. So if he goes and, and wins both the games, uh, the next two games, 
Um, he's a front runner. Um, I think other other than that, open it up again because, you know, like I said, Talley was probably a really good option, but he's he's out of it now. He's pulled himself out, which I can understand. Herman's obviously off the table, um, and Des Buckingham, who who would have been a great appointment as well, um, has said that he's he's not going to take it after signing a new deal with Mumbai. So. Um, it's, it's a difficult situation for New Zealand football to be in now. Um, again, that's why uh, Pragnall gets the, the big money, the big pucks to, to make decisions like this, and he's got to find a way out of this. It's, it's a pretty tough position to be in, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, totally. And do we do we think there's any truth to this Andrew Herdman um, position? Because I mean, TVNZ, News Hub, all of the all of the outlets. Obviously, I'm just naming those two because I work for them. But you know, went out saying that he basically had the job because that's what everyone was led to believe. Oh, look, there's loads of things that can happen in these situations. He may have changed his mind last minute. Um, the goalpost could have moved. Uh, you know, we heard about a family situation that that could be true. Um, he may have thought that he might not be getting his contract renewed with Canada. Um, sometimes people use other clubs to get what they want, or, sorry, sorry, other clubs, other jobs to get what they want in their own job. Um, that could be the situation. Like again, it's it's difficult speculating. Uh, I'll wait. My mum always used to say it will always come out in the wash, and I think this will, but it will take a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah. In the meantime, though, how damaging damaging is it, or I guess just gutting for the sport to deal with like a never-ending saga that just doesn't. It's never clean. It's always messy. Yeah, it's always messy, but that is football. I don't think it's just here. I think that's football generally. It's it's never straightforward, and, and these days there's so many leaks, and everybody's got an opinion, and, and social media sometimes doesn't help, so it, it, everything gets blown out of proportion. So look, it, it hasn't been great, for sure. Um, will we end up getting a coach? We will. Does Darren Baisley get an opportunity to to put his hat in the ring? Yes, he does. So, you know, if, if he does a really great job, then there's no problem here. You know, um, maybe he was the man for the job all the way through. Um, if he doesn't, um, then does he stay in, in the system, probably, and somebody else comes in um, and takes the job? Look, it's, it's, I still think it's a really good job. Um, and they're probably looking now, thinking, you know, they dismissed a few early um, that they'd probably like to speak to now. But that's, again, that's the nature of the beast. I think they've just got to move on. Um, it'll be forgotten. There'll be another saga somewhere else around the country. Um, sporting, I, was, I would imagine. Um, and they can sort of go about their business about trying to smooth this over. Yeah, well, that's what they say. Today's news, tomorrow's fish and chips paper. I'm pretty sure that's the, <laughs> that's the way it goes. <laughs> yeah. But look, as you know, it's a big year for football. You're an integral part in the women's space here. How pumped are you for the FIFA World Cup to arrive on Kiwi shores? Yeah, I'm excited. Um, you know, I just I think there needs to be more more talk like this of it. You know, mm. I think it's it's there's not enough talk. Um, to get a showpiece like this is, you know, it won't come around again. So we've got to get out. We've got to watch the games. We've got to get, I think we've got to get to know our players better. And I don't think there's enough of that. You know, there should be people talking about what, what are our players' background. I think you need to know the story behind some of our other players have got into the firms. I think that would be really important as well because it's not just, you know, turning up on game one and, and you're watching it. If you actually know a little bit about the player, I think you buy in a little bit more and there'll be some good stories in there. You know, I don't know them myself, but I'm sure there are decent stories out there and I think, I think if that happens you've got a lot of young young girls and young women that will actually be brought into the sport um, and, and hopefully want to go out and try it themselves afterwards.
Yeah, I'll admit I was I did some research when the um, Ferns were in town recently in Christchurch here and got to speak to a couple of the players like Vicky Sin and Ashley Ward and their stories alone, each of them just had such inspiring ones of the, the battles they've faced on and off the field to get where they are today. So I totally agree in that respect, but I think it's also... Um, until they're back in New Zealand, it gets a bit tricky, right? Because their rosters put them here, there, and everywhere. But um, like like we saw with the Black Ferns, it is possible, you know, for these people to become household names, and that's what World Cups are for. What can Kiwis expect when the FIFA World Cup arrives? Because I just don't feel like your average Kiwi quite understands, who's not into football, just how massive this is. Yeah, you know, you're going to have some of the best players in the world. Um most of the players that are selected for the for the Ballon d'Or will be here. Um, there's a couple that are missing out uh, through injury, unfortunately. But you're going to get a who's who of the football world and great teams, great coaches. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. I don't think there's been enough sort of build-up. Hopefully that's going to start happening. Um, and again, you know, there's players um, at, the, at the top, top level. So, you know, I think the, the thing we need to do is not compare it to the Men's World Cup. It's its own uh, entity, you know. It's it's massive. It's um, I'm really looking forward to it. I've got two daughters. They'll be they'll be certainly bugging me to to get to get somewhere we go. That's for sure. <laughs> and do you think um, New Zealand clubs are prepared already? Should I say if a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, God knows, God knows how many girls want to play football come August? Um, probably not. To be honest, I think we would be as a club. I think we're, we're, we're pushing that, and that's one of the reasons I came down here to try and help with that. But, um, you know, I, it would be a, an amazing problem to have if we can't find a way to accommodate enough girls and women playing football, because if we can't, then we'll pass them on to somebody else that can. So, but I'm pretty sure knowing Slava, uh, my boss, he'll, he'll find a way to make everybody welcome. Um, I think it would be amazing if there's a groundswell of support for the for the women's game, you know, before this, then after this. I think it'll be hard not to watch it as a young girl and being inspired. I think you're going to find a lot of stories. Like like you said, with, um, you know, the likes of Ruby Tui in the rugby, there's going to be mm-hmm. somebody, um, you know, on that on this Kiwi side that, that becomes a household name. Um, and then you're going to have little girls watching it and wanting to be that person, wanting to emulate them and, you know, use them as a role model. So that's pretty cool um, that somebody's going to get the opportunity to be that role model and then somebody's going to be able to look up to them. So it's, it's, it's a pretty cool space. I guess the other thing to that, though, is that how do you feel about the fact we miss out on games again, like with the um, the rugby Women's Rugby World Cup as well? Christchurch and the South Island largely miss out. Yeah, I don't know what we've done. I don't know what we've done down here. It's, um, <laughs> I mean, it's such a a sporting city as well. Um, you know, there's so many people that, that love sport here. It's, it's often all that anybody talks about. And yet um, they decided that we wouldn't, uh, there was no value in bringing a game down here. So yeah, I don't know what that is, but I think we need to make some noise about it. That's for sure. Totally. You can't build this stadium quick enough. And I guess just tell me where things are at with um, the women's Academy and Christchurch United. Yeah, so there's no there's no full academy yet. What we're trying to do is is um, allow any of the, of the young girls that want to come and, and join the academy, they can train with the boys. Um, we do have a women's first team and a women's second team, um, and you can play in that at 14 or 15. So we're kind of trying to accommodate as many as we can. But again, if there is a groundswell after this World Cup, it would be amazing if we could get a group of girls training in a, in a girls-only academy group. So that's... That's a long-term plan, but it's 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 difficult because um, a lot of the girls don't want to train with the boys, which I can completely understand. Um, so some do, and the ones that don't, you know, miss out. So 
if we could get a group together, that would be amazing. Um, we're doing, we're, you know, we're doing quite well with the, with the first team stuff and the second team stuff, but we we need to grow it. We need to do a better job, and that's that's my job really. So I've got to do better. Yeah, well, we're really lucky to have you advocating in that space. I guess just lastly, what was the big driver for you, Paul, for coming here to continue growing the women's game? I think it's just the opportunity to to coach full time. You don't. There's not many full-time football jobs in this country so you kind of have to move for them um and, and i came down and listened well firstly slava invited me down and, and not to be big-headed but i do get because of my playing career i do get offers quite often for different clubs and i go and see them and say thank you very much but no thanks and as soon as i i got off the plane and slava picked me up and drove me through the gates you see the facilities and you think wow this is this is amazing and then i sat down and spoke with slava for about an hour and a half about his vision for the club and and you can't help but be impressed um, and it was. I went home and said to my wife, "I just it's, it's something that might not come up again, and I don't want to miss out." And I think that's what it is. It's almost like he's going to do it with whether I'm here or not. So it's, it's better that I'm here as part of it, um, trying to grow the men's and women's game um, and take football forward in the country. Really. Yeah. Well, as I said before, we're so lucky to have you, and I think um, you're such a great advocate for the women's game, the game in general. And um, yeah, I look forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you so much for your time. No worries. Thank you. local sports update thanks to Trident Homes designed for living, built for life. To, re- to reiterate the big news of the week, former All Black number 1056 uh, Campbell Johnston's become the first All Black to publicly come out as gay. He played for the ABs and the Crusaders through the mid-2000s. The Davis Cup is back in Christchurch. Some of New Zealand's best tennis players are back in the Garden City taking on Bulgaria in a crucial World, Cup, World Group 1 playoff tie. Sorry about that. It's at Wilding Park, which has a rich history of hosting iconic tennis t- ties in this global comp, dating back to the 1900s. Uh, having spoken to him this week, they're fizz to be back. It's the first time they're back in Christchurch since 2016, and it's all sold out. How good. Uh, and the South Island Disc Golf Championships are also on at Hagley Golf Club. The green somewhat modified with a, with two 18-hole disc golf courses and temporary tee pads and baskets. It's the largest disc golf tournament held in Christchurch to date with approximately 250 entrants. That's your local sports update. Thanks to Trident Homes, proud supporters of the Trident Home tactics. Check out their modern home plans at tridenthomes.nz. Now to what's going on in Canterbury. Saturday the 4th of Feb, a weekend of high 20, 30 degree temps if you're here in Christchurch on the cards. Today is Kite Day at the New Brighton Pier from 11 till 3. Sandcastles, games and a heap of entertainment. Note dogs aren't permitted in the kite flying areas. I thought I'd just let you all know. Uh, the Manu Comps are goa at the Waltham Summer Pool tomorrow in Sydenham. Now this does the rounds every weekend. It seems at a different pool and I've got to t- say it's somewhat iconic. Um, there's also a 2023 year of the 
Rabbit Parade in the CBD starting at the Bridge of Remembrance tomorrow, uh, as well as free entrance as well as a free entrance day rather to the New Zealand Museum of Toys and Collectibles on Manchester Street in the CBD. And last but not least, live at the point tomorrow afternoon, one to five, a free event part of a series of summer concerts offered in Diamond Harbour. Tomorrow's is at the Godley House grounds. Now, as I mentioned, it is going to be a scorcher, so make sure you slip, slop, slap and rap and have fun. It's time for Frankie's Five. Yes, and this week I'm going with my top five people to look out for on the iconic Coast to Coast, which is just a week away. An event which has become almost a rite of passage for multi-sport athletes from around the world, with over 20,000 people having competed in the 41 years to date. Coming in at number one, I've got Sam Manson. This man has spent his life trying to crack the Coast to Coast. He's consistently finished top 10 since his first event in 2013. In fact, he's cracked second a couple of times, including in 2019 when he got pipped on the final bike leg by Dougal Allen. But this year might just be his best chance yet with Dougal not in the race. In fact, he's pulled out at last minute because he's got a job with Team New Zealand as they work to defend the America's Cup. Uh, two, Fiona Dowling A bit like Sam, used to being a bridesmaid Finishing third on four separate occasions now But they don't call her flying fee for no reason The Irish-born Kiwi is back to try stake her claim Speaking to Brian Ashby earlier this week She said a perfect day would have low flows on the run And in the kayak, a dry hot summer Well, Christchurch is in line for four 30 degree days So watch this space And number three, Ryan Kiesanowski I always knew multi-sporters were a different breed and Ryan proved that because when I was on the finish line with him in 2021, he had broken toes and yet somehow still came third. Like, I'm still mentally scarred from seeing him take that shoe off, but he's got the mental strength to battle it out with the best. He knows the course inside out from his previous attempts and like Sam, will no doubt be wanting to cash in on Dougal's absence. For Simone Mayer, seriously in awe of this woman's in, of the women's category rather, who show age is no barrier. On the other side of 40, Simone returns as the defending champion. In fact, she's won it two years in a row now off the top of my head. She's an absolute gun, so good luck tracking her GPS. And lastly for me at number five, it would be Alina Usher. Again on the other side of 40 and again an absolute multi-sport star. In fact, she's one of the world's best. This is her 18th longest day. Now, just to be clear, that's 243 k's from the uh, west coast Kamara Beach over to New Brighton. 243 k's in one day, roads, Goats Pass, Wymack River, you name it, they do it. And I just am completely in awe. She's also, Alina has won it numerous times, could probably run Goats Pass now with her eyes closed. Um, as I mentioned, you can track their GPS on the day if you're interested, but if you're around locally, head into Arthur's Pass to Klondike Corner. It's really good vibes in there always. Um, perhaps not the longest day if you get in the way, let me tell you, they take that thing seriously. But it is a real vibe in the Arthur's Pass um, for the Coast to Coast weekend. Or get down to New Brighton Beach on Saturday to see them home. You won't regret it. So that's that's my top five to watch. We'll catch up with race director on the, the race director rather on the show shortly, Glenn Curry, to see if I'm on the money. And that's my Frankie's fill in five.
we are now one week out from the annual Coast to Coast, the 243-kilometre journey that takes multi-sport athletes from Kamara Beach on the west coast to New Brighton Beach in Christchurch. Some do it in two days individually, others in tandem. The hardcore ones do it all in a day. To talk through this more, we're joined by race director Glenn Curry. Morning, Glenn. How good to have the event back in 2023, full scale after a year that saw the event majorly scaled back due to COVID? Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's... um. It's nice to be able to host an event and sort of, um, I mean, you've always still got COVID in the back of your mind, but um, they're basically about to just roll off plan A, really. So, yeah, that's fantastic. And talk me through the scale of the event in terms of the competitors, the volunteers, the spectators, because it's a big number, isn't it? Yeah, it's got a lot of moving parts, and I suppose I describe it to anyone as like a giant puzzle, and, you know, it basically starts on the west coast of the South Island and finishes on the east coast. And each of those bits of puzzle we've got to join together to make it happen. And, you know, there's, there's people who do stuff on the West Coast that actually have no idea of what's going on on the, um, on the East Coast, but they just do their section and, and it all fits together. So huge number of people. We're over 350 volunteers and staff on the day. Um, we've got around 1,400 competitors total this year, and we always add three because it's as much about the support crew too. So we're sort of up to about 5,500 people moving across the South Island and camping in the middle of Arthur's Pass, so yeah, no, it's a, it's a big old beast. Yeah, and how's the course looking? Because of course last year it was altered slightly due to the weather. How's everything looking at the moment? Yeah, well it's probably what's unique about the race is it's, um, it's a very open environment, I suppose. So, you know, I mean, the course will change right up to the, the day of the event, the morning of the event. So it's been a really, um, you know, dare I say, quite a dry summer in the mountains here in Canterbury. And uh, the rivers that we use have been really low, which means um, generally fast running times over Goat Pass, but uh, slow kayaking times down the Wainakariri. So, um, yeah, but in saying that, it's been um, our first major system's due to come through. It has started coming through here in Canterbury now, so we are expecting quite a um, bit of water in the headwaters over the next 48 hours. And then, yeah, and then the forecast looks like it's clearing out in um, eight days, just, well, what are we now, six, seven days, just in time for us. Yeah, so that water will be probably welcomed by a lot of competitors, though, won't it, this rain coming in? Because it looks pretty low in some areas. Yeah, that's right. So a lot of competitors do like a little bit of water. So the more water, the faster your kite tracks naturally, I suppose. Um, and then, But there's also a lot of competitors who are very you know, capable kayakers and fast paddlers. And generally they're advantaged when the river's lower. So there's a lot of those um, very capable kayakers that were... Uh, you know, looking forward to, I suppose, a real grovel because that's where the um, the kayakers sort of come into their own. So, they'll, you know, they'll probably be a little bit disappointed about the forecasted um, water, but I actually think we're setting up for probably a perfect flow, you know, to meet everyone's needs, really. Yeah, I mean, in previous years as well, you I feel like you can quite easily pick out who may be in the top, I don't know, two or three. But this year it seems to be a real open field. Like, who, in your opinion, are kind of the favourites to take out the longest day in the, the male and the female uh, division? Yeah, well, the female event, um, every year the female event is um, it, it's super competitive, as you would have seen, Jordan, and there's probably there's sort of like seven females that could all probably take the top spot, and um, there's a lot of young females coming through too, which is awesome to see. Um, probably the two most competent there are um, Simone Meyer and Alina Usher. I think Alina Usher is right, um, lining up for her 18th event, and uh, which is phenomenal, and you know she'll still be as competitive as ever and she said to me last year I said oh when, when do you think you'll retire and she goes when I don't think I can improve anymore so she she still thinks wow. she's getting faster so um that's super impressive so she's she's as hungry for the win as ever and then Simone's obviously um 
you know, super talented and run it a couple of times before. So um, she'll be she'll be looking forward to she'll be challenging a game. But then there's um, a lot of names that go deep into that list. Um, Rebecca Gingsford, who is a super capable triathlete and um, has sort of turned to turned to multi sport, I suppose. So I think she'll be a real threat. Um, Fiona. Dowling, she's come third on so many occasions and only, you know, four or five minutes off actually getting that top spot on a lot of those occasions. And then um, young Hannah Lund is sort of putting her hand up to, um, you know, make, make sort of um, putting the pressure on some of these ladies that have been around for a while. So it's going to be a really exciting race. Yeah, I was just about to ask you there, with the men's, who are you kind of thinking? Because I uh, caught up with Dougal, who, who's obviously not racing because he's off to Team New Zealand to be a um, grinder. Yeah, he's going sailing. So, um, yeah, we gave him a bit of stick about that. I don't know how his kayaking <laughs> skills are going to cross over there. Like, um, he said as long as he doesn't have to do anything too technical with knots, etc., I think he'll be fine. But, yeah, that's really exciting for him. And it's exciting for the sport, you know, the coast to coast community, too, to produce, you know, an athlete that we, we believe is Olympic level. And, you know, it's obviously shown that he's been selected for that. So it's awesome. But it does mean we'll have a new men's champion this year, which is. Uh, you know, that, that's really exciting. So, I mean, Sam Manson's currently our obvious favourite. He lives on the course. He's a great guy. He's helped so many people actually get to the start line of um, their own Kathmandu coast to coast and, and do it themselves. And, you know, he'd be a deserved winner. He's been chasing it for probably 15 years now. Um, and he's, yeah, obvious favourite. But we've actually got a couple of Aussies coming over. Um, Alex Hunt, who's been on the podium before, he's, he's coming back and he'll be a real threat. And then there's a lot of... Um, a lot of guys there too, Ryan Kiesanowski, Hamish Elliott, that could all threaten that um, threaten that top spot um, if Sam doesn't have his perfect day, I suppose. So, again, I think that's going to be a really exciting race. And to be fair, probably almost added to the excitement that Dougal's not on the start line. <laughs> I bet, actually. But I tell you what I'm looking forward to is the Aussie rivalry, actually, because I caught up with um, Molly and Reedy from Bondi Rescue who are doing the tandem together, and obviously he is close mates with Richie McCaw, and they'll be going up against each other in the tandem. Richie's obviously with Nathan. So that Aussie-Kiwi band is going to be quite good on the course this year, and I guess is that part of the coast-to-coast moving forward as well, you know, to get young ones like Molly and I guess go a bit more trans-Tasman because we haven't been able to have that international mix you know, for a couple of years now. No, we we are so excited about having internationals back. So we've got a crew from Ireland. We've got people from coming all over the world, and they've they've been on the start line for um you know twenty four odd months to actually get here. So it's awesome, and yeah, we're definitely happy to have our Aussie mates back. You know, there's a lot of competent uh, multi sporters over there, and they 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 love coming over there. And really, you know, he jumped at the chance to come back here and race, and it's it's awesome seeing them team up with Molly. They've both got huge personalities, and Molly's a great story from coast to coast, where she won our award in terms of um. Uh, we have sort of an academy award for young people at school to um, help them out to get to the coast start line, and her team actually won that. And now, you know, she's quite a competitive young multi sporter and super passionate about it. So, yeah, she's a great story, and I think we'll hear plenty from her and Reedy over the weekend. So, um, it'll be it'll be good fun to have them back, and I'm sure Reedy will talk up how he's going to challenge Richie McCaw and you know Nathan Cohen again. But uh, you know, <laughs> he got fairly well embarrassed last time, and I don't know if he's done a lot of specific training since. So, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> He did mention that, actually, and he mentioned he doesn't know who's going to get the most words in out of him and Molly. So, no, it'll be an epic event, uh, as it always is. Really looking forward to it, and we'll see you on the West Coast in a week. Can't wait, Jordan. Look forward to seeing you as there, and, yeah, um, hope to see you half the half Christchurch out of that finish line in New Brighton coming up next Saturday. It's going to be an awesome, awesome occasion.
Yeah, for sure. And yes, that's a good public service announcement to anyone out there. Get to uh, New Brighton Beach next Saturday. It's the place to be as competitors come in. And look, I tell you, if you're really keen, stay there right till the last competitor comes in. I've done it a couple of times before, and honestly, there's not a dry eye on the beach. So if you can do it, we'll catch you down there. to the panel proudly sponsored by Malray Electric putting the spark into Canterbury Rugby a big warm welcome to this morning's panellists News Hub's Christchurch Bureau Chief Mike Thorpe and Stuff Sports writer Brendan Egan thanks for joining us both this morning we'll start with you Brendan the test squad to play England at home has been named Jamison back in though likely only for one test what's your thoughts on the squad I know you were there at the official team naming yeah, pretty predictable. Um, Glenn Phillips is someone that I would have liked to have, liked to have maybe seen in there, but with it being only 14 players, it's pretty tough to squeeze in. I think they made the right call going with Ish Sodi over Ajaz Patel. I would have made that move given what um, we saw from uh, Sodi over in Pakistan. I just think domestically I've been quite impressed by what he's doing this season, so I would have gone that way too. Um, bit of a shame about um, Jameson um, only playing the one game. I guess to be expected... Um, Gary was saying uh, yesterday at the um, press conference that um, obviously with, with four tests in 33 days, it's a pretty tight turnaround for the Black Caps. So a bit of a shame that he won't play two tests against England, but one's better than none. Yeah, and I guess the main thing as well, that he feels he's hopefully over the injury altogether as opposed to it being something that continues to niggle him for some time. I guess how important is it that he is fit for, the, for this side going forward? Oh, it's massively important. You know, we saw when, when Kyle Jamison first on the scene, he was just so amazing, wasn't he, in those first early series. And he was um, tremendous for the Black Caps. And if Trent Bolt, I mean, I think we're going to see less and less of Trent Bolt going forward, uh, going, you know, which is a bit of a shame because he's been such a uh, linchpin for the New Zealand team. So, and Tim Salve's not getting any younger either, is he? I mean, he's sort of been through the back end of his career. So uh, the Black Caps are going to need Kyle Jamison to really lead that attack and potentially all three forms um, in the in the future, so it is imperative that he's healthy uh, for the long run. Thorpey, how are your fizz levels ahead of the England series? Obviously the Kiwi connection with Brendan McCullum and Kiwi-born Ben Stokes, of course, your fave. How are you feeling about it? I mean, they're going to bring in such an exciting brand of cricket. You know, I'm, dare I say it, this, this may actually get me run out of town. I'm a wee bit more excited about what England are bringing than what we're bringing. So uh, it should be exciting. Should be exciting. I I, I agree with Brendan. I I think um, uh, Glenn Phillips is probably the one that should be most ejected. And if there's an uncomfortable topic that we need to discuss, it is probably Henry Nichols, who uh, is living off an average at the moment, and his form lately has been pretty questionable. So, where does he slot into the order? And was that an opportunity? Maybe for Phillips to have a nibble at the middle order. I don't know. Uh, the other name in there that I was a little bit unsure about is Blair Tickner. Um, he's still unproven at this level, isn't he? And he hadn't exactly set the world on fire at uh, first-class level either. So 
we are still pretty thin in those um, in those pace stocks, and there's definite question marks around our middle order. But yep, I'm looking forward to it. I feel like we've uh, we've had a dearth of Test cricket over the summer, haven't we? We've been forced to watch them playing overseas and fairly irrelevant white ball cricket. So um, bring it on. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be exciting, that's for sure. And look, I hate to bring a dampener on things, but Brendan, what did you make of that most recent performance in India, or the most recent performances, rather? And how do you think the Black Caps are faring ahead of that World Cup? Yeah, I mean, it's not the result you wanted. I was pretty sceptical about how New Zealand would go in that series, especially in the one in India with missing uh, some of their frontline players. And I know India were down on firepower too, but I had pretty low hopes. I was sort of a little bit surprised I got up in that first game and... Uh, yeah, just that, that last game obviously wasn't flash at all. Uh, pretty ugly stuff, really. A uh, bit of a drubbing there for New Zealand. So, um, yeah, there was some, some okay stuff in that series. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we can read too much into it until we until we really sort of get a good gauge leading into that World Cup um, when you get the front-line New Zealand team. Hopefully Trent Bold will be in there later in the year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, not ideal, obviously, that... that, uh, that smashing in that final uh, T20 match but yeah, leading into the ODI World Cup later in the year I think we just need to see a bit more from the Black Caps and with their frontline performers all back in Yeah, what do you think about Trent Bolt? Do you think he's going to come back for the World Cup? I, I, I seem to have a bit of a feeling that I think he will um, yeah, Gary was saying today they've obviously been a pretty big dialogue with him, that, that's been the, that's obviously the big one they're working towards with Trent um, I, I, I honestly don't think he'll play another test for New Zealand, I'd be surprised if he does so I think that's the big one later in the year that's the pinnacle event, um, the, the ODI World Cup, so yeah I think I, I get a feeling that he will be in the, 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 the there's the target and, and Bolt will play but we'll have to, we'll have to see won't we you know, if P20 lucrative leagues around the world who knows Thorpe, the other question asked of Gary Stead was does he still back Finnellan as his opener after the series in Pakistan and obviously India what do you make of Finnellan and do you think there's a case to be made that maybe he's not the Black Caps man in that top spot well it's such a tough spot isn't it you know when you're going Mm. out at the top of the order to bat the way he does it's a rocks or diamonds position so it's still very early days. The only real alternative is is Martin Guptill, which we know is a you know fairly steady. But if he comes in and fails as well, then do you feel like you've made any progress whatsoever? So uh, I back uh, Finnellan to to come right. We know he's got enormous talent. It's just time and time in the middle that's that's going to sort of get him to where he wants to be. Uh, and we're lucky that we've got talent like uh, Devin Conway alongside him in those uh, white ball formats. So. Yeah, I, I think I think he's the man for now um, until someone else puts their hand up, eh? I mean, there was chat this week about Colin Munro. Can you believe it? Good grief, really? Are we there? Yep. I oh, know. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and a fantastic player too. But, you know, if you start going down that route, then all of a sudden we're going to find, you know, 11 players playing in leagues overseas uh, along the, the Trent Bolt lines. Um, and then coming back when when it suits them, it's it's a dangerous precedent to uh, to set. And and I think with Bolt, you know, he he gets a lot of leeway because of his great service. But um, yeah, it could get quite could could, could get quite dangerous. 
Mm. And Brendan, last one on cricket before we move on to a couple of other topics quickly is obviously Henry Shipley was full of excitement as he headed overseas. I mean, a tough task uh, starting his Black Caps career in India, that's for sure. But how do you feel on the whole he, he went over there? And I guess regardless how beneficial that experience will be moving forward because he, he is a bright spark, I guess, in the Black Caps bowling wheel moving forward. Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, as you say, it's a, it's a brutal tour, isn't it? Outside maybe going to Australia, um, going to the subcontinent for a, for a young all-rounder. I mean, it's a pretty pretty rough start to international cricket. It's, it's, I'd imagine it's going to get a lot easier for Henry Shipley from here on in. So I do hope he gets opportunities going forward. Um, you know, you were at that press conference with me uh, late last year, and Gavin Larson said that they view him as a genuine all-rounder. So um, I think it's just a... As you say, I mean, it's a great learning experience for Henry Shipley going over there, playing with different services, being in that Black Caps environment. He would have really been a bit of a sponge around those senior guys and, and picked up a lot of intel. So um, hopefully he'll go back to the, uh, the White Bull stuff here with Canterbury and really step up and, and lead the way and put in some good performances. And if he gets opportunities going forward, uh, hopefully he grasps them. Grasps and I only think uh, Shipley, he'll, he'll really be better for the experience. Mm, exactly. Um, moving forward to, or perhaps sideways, I guess, to a new issue of football and the drama that continually, continuously surrounds the head coach. I mean, earlier this week, everyone was led to believe it was Herdman. Herdman comes out and says no. I mean, Brendan, what do you make of the never-ending head coach saga that comes with that all-whites job? Oh, gosh, it was just the shambles sports story of the week. The, uh, the all-whites job, there were all these people saying, oh, Herdman's going to come back, he's coming back, he's the mystery name, and then all of a sudden, um, wake up the next morning and, yeah, no go, and everyone's saying, well, who's going to be the coach now? So, yeah, it was a bit of a, <laughs> bit of a mess, really, isn't it, to be honest? Um, I don't know where the whites go from here. Um, gosh, I mean, hopefully they can get some more football in the coming years, and, um, I mean, it'd be great to see a landmark name, but I guess with the money on offer and the opportunities, and uh, it's tough, isn't it, to get that uh, that real sort of high-profile candidate? Um, you look in Australia; they've got that steadiness now with Graham Arnold sort of re-signing through to the next World Cup, and it would have been great to have something like that here in New Zealand, but not to be. So I just hope that um, the right candidate can be found, but uh, not really optimistic about that happening. Mm, Thorpe, it's not the first um, non-announcement announcement we've had in recent times. I guess when they came out and just put an interim in, and then kind of wash their hands of it, New Zealand football, that is. How important is it, I guess, for transparency that the, that media conferences don't play out like that? Yeah, look, welcome to the shambles that is New Zealand football, right? It's been like that, uh, well, for as long as I can remember. Um, this, this is a, a, a dodgy spot to get into, and, and they've found themselves sort of right in the thick of it um, by sort of speaking in riddles and, and sort of saying too much or not enough, um, this is where they've wound up. So from what I can tell, the, the, the only two options left on the table um, are pretty uninspiring. Um, you've got to wonder, is Danny Hay really not the best option? Mm. Well, yeah. And if there, you know, Tale was in the mix and now he's gone and said, no way will I come back into that. So... They've left themselves in a tricky spot. I guess the other big story of the week, well, probably the biggest story of the week and perhaps going to be the biggest story of the year, uh, Campbell Johnson coming out as New Zealand's first gay all-black. I mean, um, Brendan, how wonderful is it that we start the year off with news like that in a time where sport is trying to be as inclusive as they can be? Oh, it's fantastic news, isn't it? Um, it was, As you say, it was the story of the week and potentially will be the story of the year. It's just um, such, such massive news and... 
um, yeah, just a, a massive moment for, for rugby and for, for sport in New Zealand, really, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. You look um, around the world and even even over in Australia with the basketball. Um, yeah, it's just um, it's yeah, just as a massive moment, and, and hopefully it um, just serves as an example for other sports, really. Yeah. And lastly, from you, Thorpey, Tom Brady, is he actually the GOAT? Is he actually retired this time, though? He said he's retired, but can we believe it, or will he be back in a couple of months' time? I'll believe it when I see it. What a legend he is, though, right? At, I mean, he's at an age that, dare I say it, I'm at, and, and he's still playing at that level. Unbelievable. I've struggled to get out of bed in the morning, and at, uh, what, 45, 46 years of age, he's just finished um, his... 338th season of NFL. I don't know. I think he's addicted to it, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if he runs out again uh, next season. I'm the same. And I've got a story that both you will appreciate to last, and so will listeners, is that apparently Tom Brady was in Queenstown only a few months ago, and when someone asked him, like a neighbour who was at the Airbnb, suppose, I mean, I've been told this hand maybe, story rather, maybe sixth or seventh hand, but I'm still claiming it. Um, the neighbour went over to introduce themselves, and they got talking or whatever, and then the neighbour said to who was Tom Brady, oh, like, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm on holiday, it's really nice over here, I get to kind of have a bit of privacy, and no one prize me, and then one thing led to another, and apparently he said, well, yeah, I'm Tom Brady. Imagine that. You book an Airbnb in Queenstown, and your neighbour is Tom Brady for a couple of nights. Takes Tom Brady to afford an Airbnb in Queenstown as, as well, just quietly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the panel, proudly sponsored by Nalray Electric, putting the spark into Canterbury Rugby. Thanks so much, Brendan and Thorpey. Have a fab weekend. Thanks, mate. Jordan. And that's it for the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner this week. The mail runs up next, and the Saturday session have an NBA legend joining them. Who may that be? I've been your host, Jordan Oppett, filling in for Frankie. I'll catch you next time.